0: Welcome to another episode of Ways of Life. I am your host, Krista Wells, and today I am honored to introduce you to Rachel Handler, who is an American actress, singer, and motivational speaker, as well as an advocate for actors with disabilities. I met Rachel in a very interesting kismet kind of way, and we'll share that with you in just a minute. Well, Rachel, I'm so glad that we are making this happen, and um, I'm excited to share with everybody how we met, because I think it's so interesting. Actually, this is the first time we have really met.
1: (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. It is, because before... We were in different states at the
0: time, so. Yes, (laughs) so, you know, to let everybody in um, without, I'll try to make this as short as possible because even the people who introduced you and I to each other, that was an interesting meeting as well. So um, I met Bonnie Kate and Max uh, Zogby um, right after Bonnie Kate was injured in the Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooting a few years ago and we met through one of my songs via you know social media and became friends and Max is a filmmaker and he ended up um, producing a music video for the album I was working on at that time called and the, the song was called Shine I had also written a song for Bonnie Kate um, called This Thing Is Not Gonna Break You, but we made a video for Shine and I told Max, I was like, I don't have, this is not my strong suit. I don't have a vision for for this thing. So just come up with some ideas and tell me. And so he came up with this idea and which was I thought, brilliant. And he's like, I found the perfect actress for this. And she happens to be, in our area which was baton rouge new Orleans. did you guys mm-hmm. meet in baton rouge or new orleans to uh i believe it was baton rouge yeah okay yeah. and um so anyways I- i'll let you tell your side of the story but anyways yeah. um rachel is a fantastic actress and was so kind to come and be in our music video and that was back in 2013 and i'll definitely post a link so people can go and Enjoy seeing you in that, but share a little bit about what was going on in your life at that time, how you connected with Max, and we'll start there.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, so, um, God, it feels like a million years ago, which it yes. sort of is, but it also in some ways just feels like yesterday. Um, <laughs> Definitely. it's so funny. So, gosh, yeah, 2013. Um, so I uh, became an amputee actually in two thousand and twelve. Um, I was in a car accident, lost my leg. and um, I got an audition request. I was an actor before that. And after I became you know disabled and became an amputee, I was like, am I still gonna be able to act? Um, I was doing musical theater actually, so I was like, am I still gonna be able to sing and dance and all of this stuff. Um, and I got an audition request in 2013 for a film and it was my first ever film audition, uh, for John Schneider's smothered. It's like a funny horror film and it happened to be filming in Baton Rouge. And then I get another email from Max about this music video. And I listened to the song shine and I loved it. And I ended up like listening to it on repeat, And um, it just the timing worked out perfectly where I was in Baton Rouge to film Smothered and also had a day off so I could shoot the music video Um, because normally I'm in New York. uh, So I had never been to Louisiana before that week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I don't think I realized
0: how that had to be synchronized. So when Max reached out, he had no idea that you would be down there. He didn't, no. He just, it was just kind of on the outside
1: random. Yeah, exactly. It was just so serendipitous. I was like, okay, I've never, I've always been a theater girl. You know, I've only done plays and musicals with live audiences. I've never filmed anything in my life. And then I get two requests within like the same month. Um, and they're both in Baton Rouge. So. That
0: is amazing. Yeah. I love yeah.
1: synchronicity. I get so
0: geeked out about that kind of thing. And you're, you you mm-hmm. dance in the video. So I assumed you were a dancer as
1: well. Yes. Yes. Well, I, um, you know, that was just about a year after I lost my leg. So I was still figuring out how, um, to move my body at that point. And it was really almost, um, cathartic for me to do the video Mm -hmm. because I had been, Uh, experimenting at my aunt's physical therapy office um, with different dances and choreography for myself. And so then to get to come and and dance professionally again felt like, oh, my gosh, like I'm I'm still me. Like this is still my body and I'm just learning how to use it in a new way. And it was a really amazing moment to just, I know, I still me get up, like right? tears, I <laughs> <laughs> you know, like holding it in, but, um, it really was, um, a big learning curve and challenge and new experience for me to be able to like dance again in mm-hmm. a meaningful way in front of people to this gorgeous song and know that an audience is going to see it. Um, Yeah, it really helped me actually in the healing process of learning, you know, how to adapt and move forward and see myself in a a positive light. You know, what I lost was not, um, was not really a loss. It was a gain in my mental capacity and my adaptivity and my healing. So it really, yeah, it was an amazing experience to be able to dance like that.
0: (laughs) Wow. And I did not realize or remember that the filming of that video was so uh, that your injury had happened so recently I think mm-hmm. I assumed there had been more space and time between you know your yeah mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine how much adjustment <laughs> you were going through
1: at that moment.
0: <laughs> yeah it so means even yeah. more to me to know that you Stepped into that and that it meant something to you as well. And then to have Bonnie Mm -hmm. Kate present in the video and she was learning to, you know, uh, use her body again after her injury Mm -hmm. that year. So also a leg injury. Interesting.
1: Yes. Um, Yes. I know. I wished after I saw the video, I was like, Oh, I wish I got to meet her. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's so just gorgeous and you can, just see her energy so full of life after this horrible thing and just bouncing back from that. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like, because my accident was in 2012 and we filmed this in 2013 at that time, I was kind of trying to downplay like how recent it was and how like traumatizing it was, you know, just to save myself from that like mental anguish of, I lost my leg and everything is different now. <laughs> like every way I function is different. The way people look at me is different. So I almost tried to jump into it as like, this is my life and this is how it's been. And this is how it will be. And I almost downplayed like how recent the trauma was. Um, that was for my own mental health and safety. Yeah. Oh man, I totally
0: resonate with that because when I um, released an album called Velveteen several years ago, I literally wrote it and recorded it before my uh, divorce was, you know, even mm-hmm. final, which was, you know, a traumatic time for me. And then had to go out and perform those songs again, like in the season when I was going through the divorce, it wasn't final. I'm out singing songs about my divorce, about the, And it felt so like early and so vulnerable that I also meant trying to create a sense it was last year this is what i went through last year but really it was ongoing you know for a long time as these things are when you experience an abrupt change in your life it's not an isolated moment or month or year it's just there are a lot of small things that small and big things that continue to have to move through um, so this yeah. is obviously, you know, a big part of your journey the last few years, but you have been an artist and a creative being your whole life. So I'm curious when you look back, um, you know, this, the center point of this podcast is on the experience of aliveness, um, because I came across this quote from Joseph Campbell and it, it just really hit a nerve for me that, uh, it's not so much figuring out in our brains what life means, we want to feel alive. Mm. And so many of us don't feel alive fully. You know, so many people go their entire journey without experiencing that. So my hope is that from sharing our various uh, moments of, Mm. of letting that in and how we practice that, that it'll, you know, encourage others as well. So when you look back at your early life, can you remember like your first moment of (gasps) something, you know, I'm alive. Like there's something
1: lighting up inside me. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think for me, I, I think I was about six years old and I was like singing in front of my whole family at a Christmas party and they all loved it. And they were like, you've got such a great voice. And I just felt like I am living my best life. (laughs) Like, this is what I'm meant to do, you know? (laughs) Age six, living my best life. I love it. Yeah. It just made me feel like, oh my gosh, I am supposed to be, like, using my voice to entertain, to inspire. I would, like, climb into my Barbie house, just with my like parents and my brothers around and I would be like, I'm going to put on a show and I would be in the Barbie house all crunched up and be like, I need to get out and escape. And like, I would make it into a horror movie, a romantic comedy. Like, you know, I think, um, yeah, just using my creativity and thinking of stories and singing, it was just in me from the get go.
0: Wow. And I was lucky
1: to have that family support to be like you're great when maybe I wasn't but they were nice to me so
0: (laughs) yes well they they clearly saw who you truly are made to be and and they saw that spark Mm -hmm. in you and I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you saw that spark in you Uh, I think it it can be really an important thing practice for people who have lost their way or lost their sense of self or aliveness to revisit like to go way way back like you you know to age six mm. maybe even younger what was what was it that lit you up back then so yeah. you always had. so your family encouraged you to pursue the line see I as a musician yeah. you know in this independent music community people will often you know complain or commiserate or this is you know music industry is so hard it's so hard and I'm like you know what's harder? <laughs> I think acting. <laughs> so ah. I admire you <laughs> so much. Aww, Tell me about that journey you. a little bit, you know, how you have kept that spark alive in the face of what I understand as an outsider to be uh, relentlessly, um how do you say it? it, it, it there's a lot of discouragement that's going to come at you, you know, you're auditioning constantly,
1: right? And um mm. that's, Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you had asked me this over the summer, I would have been like, I might give up acting because Mm -hmm. you just, I I go through so many lows of rejection after rejection after rejection. Luckily, lately, it's been booking, 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 (gasps) which has been amazing. And I'm glad I stuck with it. But oh my gosh, it is a whirlwind. I feel like to be an actor, um, is to be emotionally open and vulnerable and, you know, uh, constantly listening and engaging and learning, but to protect yourself as an actor, you kind of have to do everything else. (laughs) Don't listen to people rejecting you. Don't be vulnerable. Don't, you know, (laughs) so it's a constant catch 22. Um, and it's not an easy life choice. It's not an easy life calling, but, um, I've literally never seen myself doing anything else Mm, ever. There's no plan B. There's, There's, you know, a few day jobs that I feel very fortunate to have that pay the bills when acting is not happening, Mm -hmm. but there's never been a real plan B. Um, And since I was a kid, I knew this was what I wanted to do. I went to college for musical theater, You know, in high school, I was a complete theater nerd and I would do all the drama competitions and all the choirs. And I never, ever wanted to do anything else, Um, even after I lost my leg. Uh. I thought about maybe going back to school to become a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no, if I do that, I won't be able to audition. I won't I, I won't have the flexibility if I book a job, you know. Right. <laughs> so even at that point when I was still learning to walk again and I was so... Um, grateful to my doctors and my physical therapy team. I mean, they inspired me enough to maybe shift my goals. Um, but ultimately, I was like, no, it's just not not for me. If I give up acting and go back to school for this, I don't think I will be happy um, or as happy as I could be. And that's always mm-hmm. the goal, right? To, to be happy, yes. to chase the dreams, to have your passion. Um, and I never wanted to lose that passion. Um, and you know, it's not easy. Like after my accident, I had to live at home with my parents because I wasn't making money. You know, that's the way the world works. You need money to survive. Um, and I was lucky I had that buffer and I know not everyone does. Um, but that really allowed me to, you know, gain my strength back, figure out how I was going to make money, how I was going to keep pursuing this. Um, so I owe a lot to my family and Yeah, during that time, it could have gone many different ways. But um, I think just because of my personality and resilience and passion for acting in this career, that really kept me going and kept me from getting into any dark places and kept me moving forward, um, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yes, Uh, man, I I think about this conversation I had with my sister who's a painter visual artist uh, several years ago Mm -hmm. and she was going through a low uh spot you know with her creative work and just wondering you know it's there's always such a high cost there's such Mm -hmm. an investment on our part like you said emotionally and and financially and there are just a lot of risks and a lot of putting yourself out there and um you know she was having a conversation that she had had many times, and she's just representing all of us, we all do this, uh, mm-hmm. but should I give it up? Should I do something more practical? Should I should I find a plan B, you know? And I remember saying to her this one day, I think you should stop pretending that's an option for you to stop. And, wow. you know, I. and when I listen to you, I think, yeah, you were a person who was clear that, it, for the most part, that you were clear that wasn't an option for you. Um, and sometimes we can put ourselves on that fence and in unnecessary misery, <laughs> spending all this energy acting like we have a decision to make when we know the decision was made <laughs> when we were born. We know that we are we are a person who is this, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember also being in a workshop once where the leader the facilitator was wisely helping us to differentiate between what we do and our identity and he was like yeah you're a guitarist but if you lost your hands you wouldn't be playing guitar you know so who are you you're not that is you know guitarist can't be your whole identity and
1: so how do you how do you think about that
0: What are your thoughts on
1: that? Oh, you know, I think, um, yeah, as an actor, especially, I'm constantly dependent on other people to see my worth and to see me in their projects. And that's draining. And actually, after I became an amputee, I had like a big shift in my creative needs and wants. And I almost felt a responsibility to... Mm -hmm start taking my career back into my own hands and I started writing um I started writing my own scripts and stories and short films and tv shows and I felt like um when I started writing it it was again a cathartic experience I was writing a lot from my own life and I also felt empowered as an actor I feel like it really I mean, the whole experience becoming disabled and then learning to write my own stories made me a much better performer overall. Um, It was, I think 2014, I started writing short films and I entered the disability film challenge the first year it existed. Now it's like a big, big thing. Um, But back in 2014, I think that was the first year and I won the best actor award for the short film that I had written and produced myself, you know, in my backyard. (laughs) What was that one called? It was called Disabilidates. And it was about a young woman going on a first date as an amputee. And the guy is like asking all these questions about the leg and telling me how inspiring I am without knowing anything about me other than (laughs) I wear a prosthetic leg. (laughs) <laughs> um, and you know it wasn't like the best film ever but it was something that I made that I had control over the story and I felt like a wake up call like I don't see representation like this on the big screen or even on the small screen on my TV like I don't see people in wheelchairs going on dates in mm. big blockbusters you know and um, And I realized that uh, that was another calling for me to start advocating for more disability inclusion in specifically in the entertainment industry. Um, Because I feel like a lot of times what we see on screen can mimic what we feel in real life. And there's so much fear and stigma around even the word disabled. Like people cringe when I call myself disabled. And I'm like, no, I, I am disabled and it's not a bad thing. There's a big movement to take that word back. You know, Crip Camp is an amazing documentary that came out and it's, you know, taking ownership of the word cripple. Really, it's poking fun at, oh, you're going to call me cripple? Well, I'm going to make a movie called Crip Camp, okay? Oh. And I, I think that there's just so much fear of like, god you know i can't tell you how many times i have heard someone say oh if i lost my leg i'd just kill myself you know without even thinking they're just like oh oh it's like the worst thing and it's not easy (laughs) but it's not worth dying over you know (laughs) if you survive, (laughs) like you've survived you still have a a life worthy of living um So I realized very quickly that um, representation was lacking and I wanted to create stories that were authentic to my experience as a person with a disability. And I met a lot of um, amazing actors, singers, dancers uh, with disabilities just living here in New York City. And I've been working with them on other projects that I've written. And I think that's been really like an amazing way to spend my time when I'm not booking other acting work. And it's been an amazing way to show my acting skills and what I can do. And that I don't always have to be typecast as like the sad victim who lost her leg or the hospital patient. You know, I can be the doctor. (laughs) Yes, I can be the mom. Um, I don't always have to be the person with one leg. So yeah. (laughs) Right. And then, and I read in one of your
0: bios um, about a role that you had on, I think it was a crime show. Um, I know you've done several of those. And one of them in particular, it was noted that your part in this really had nothing to do with your disability. It was a situation where you were being Mm -hmm. rescued, but you weren't being featured as she needs rescuing because She's an amputee. It was you happen to be an amputee, and you're also in this situation, like another, like any other character in the show who needs rescued, and mm-hmm. um, I that was really um, eye opening for me because you know obviously we become we we develop a heightened awareness to things we ourselves have experienced. So I haven't experienced what you've experienced yet, and so I haven't really paid attention to that. Um, to that mm-hmm. typecasting. And, and now I will. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for that opportunity. And I, oh, yeah. I also, or do you have, do you want to say more about that? I have so many.
1: Oh, well, you them. know what? I think I know what you're talking about. It was NCIS New Orleans, and it's still one of my favorite roles I've ever played. I think that was 2018. It came out or 19. Um, and I played a congressional aide who had, uh, information that bad guys wanted and they tried to kidnap me and the role really had nothing to do with my leg. Um, and it was such a joy to film and, um, get to film in new Orleans. And, Uh uh, I'm actually, I have a love affair with, Louisiana, New Orleans, and Baton Rouge, because it's been very kind to me in my acting work. Mm-hmm. I'm actually traveling back and forth to New Orleans right now for another TV show. Ah. Um, yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should just move to New Orleans. Oh
0: my goodness. <laughs> it's
1: been very good to me. New York, in winter. not <laughs> lately. I know. I'd rather be in New Orleans in the winter anyway. So But that was a really cool experience. And the only reason I got the audition, to be honest, is because in the script they added that the character might use crutches. So then the casting director was like, oh, I'll cast this authentically then and reached out to actors who are disabled and use crutches. And that, honestly, I think is the only reason I got the audition. But I'm so glad they added that note for the character because obviously I was right for the role. And... I wish that more writers and producers would think that way like oh what if this character was you know an amputee or what if they were missing an arm or you know what if what if the doctor um you know had cp or has cp or something um I think it's helpful to write it into the script. I mean, I I wish we were at the point where casting directors were making it a priority to audition someone with a disability for every role because mm-hmm. we are 20% of the, or more, we're like 25% of the population now. Wow. Um, so it would be nice if 25% of the actors called in for the role had some sort of disability. um, right. Of course, there are invisible disabilities, too, which is also super important for representation to see in stories. Um, but I think, you know, having actors with physical disabilities is also, like, really important, especially since there is so much stigma and fear, and we are such a big part of the population. Right. So, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's yeah. just, it. you know, once you've pointed that out to me, now I'm thinking, well, it's only that's that would be to me as a viewer so natural because it's representing our real lives you know in our real communities we have Mm -hmm. all different people with different things going on different challenges and when we gather for a meal or whatever it's not like that's the person with this you know disability (laughs) they are a person and they have a challenge and i have a challenge and like you said, some right. are visible, some are visible, and <clears throat> so I'm so yeah. thankful for the work you're doing to advocate for for that mm-hmm. community. Um, can one thing that another thing that piqued my interest was your. I think you also wrote this, or I know you wrote it. Inspiration whore. Um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Because the the title just really caught my attention, and then I enjoyed reading about it.
1: Thank you. Yes. I wrote a one woman show called inspiration whore. Cause at the time, um, well, still not at the time, all the time I get called an inspiration. And sometimes I really appreciate it because, you know, I've been strength training, I'm lifting heavy weights. And when people say that I'm inspiring them to work out, I'm so honored and, and thankful to them for paying me that compliment and letting me know. When I'm just walking down the street eating a sandwich and trying not to trip, and someone calls me inspiring, that's when I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just living my life thinking I am worthy of walking down the street is inspiring to you. Mm. Um, Does that feel so? When you hear that, what do you feel? What is the Uh, feeling? I feel um, like what? Mm. Like, What? I start to question myself in a way that I shouldn't have to do, you know? Um, When a stranger especially says something to me on the street about my leg or the way I look, it's like, what? (laughs) I'm just me living my life. And it's like, oh, wait, no, I'm not just me. I'm the person with one leg. I am the person who is, um, to be feared like, Oh God, I don't want to end up like her. You know, mm. that's what it takes me to. Um, so as well-meaning as someone might be like, Oh, look at you, girl. You're so awesome. You're so inspiring. I have to be in a very specific mood to take that lightly and just be like, Oh, thanks. You know, most of the time it's like, Oh God, really? Really? (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to walk down the street and get a bagel, you know? Um, And I've, I've struggled with this a lot. Like, am I overreacting? Am I, you know, is is this just someone being nice? And it's normally, it's just someone trying to be nice, Hmm. but I, and a lot of other people with disabilities don't really take it that way. Um, cause if you think about it, like if you were to become disabled and have some sort of physical, um, difference and every time you went to get a bagel, someone said something to you about that difference, it gets tiring <laughs> and it gets, um, like you don't believe that you're actually inspiring anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so as innocent as the compliment seems, it really can weigh, weigh on me. Um, and I get, a, I get asked a lot too. Like people will say, Oh, thank you for your service. Assuming I was in the military. And that oh. also, I'm like, well, this is awkward now because now if I accept the compliment, I feel bad. Right. And if I don't, and I say, Oh, I wasn't in the military, then they feel bad. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: That seems like a massive
1: leap to me for people to just jump to that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it goes back to representation on TV shows. Most of the time that you see someone with a prosthetic leg, they lost it in the war, okay. you know, wow, like 80 percent or more yeah. of that representation on TV is a limb loss in a war. Um, wow. So I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. And that's why I'm so like, just let the mom have a prosthetic leg. Just let the lawyer have a prosthetic leg. Like I'm in New York where we have all these procedurals, like blue bloods and blacklists. Just let the person be disabled and it's fine, you know? (laughs) So I
0: want to come back to that in a minute because I don't know what blue blood and blacklists are. But um, (laughs) before that, let, um, let me just... Thank you for sharing that because um, your willingness to go into what, how those intended compliments actually land um, is really going to be helpful to so many people to just expand awareness of that. It's great to have kind intentions. It's better to expand our awareness of another person's experience and actually you know, go beyond intention and and be in a way that's
1: a gift to others. So, Mm. um, and I don't want people to be like afraid to say something to a disabled person. Like if someone sees my leg and you know, it's got glitter on it. So if they're like, Oh my gosh, your leg is so cool. I take that as a compliment. And I think that's awesome because they're seeing me as a person. They're seeing this cool leg that I designed and they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You know, instead of just being like, oh, you're so inspiring. You know, it's like, oh, you haven't even seen me. You've just seen the fact that I'm walking.
0: Yeah. Haven't seen (laughs) me. That's what I heard when you were describing that I heard uh, dehumanized, like your attempt to be quote nice is actually dehumanizing. Uh, Mm. I don't feel like you're seeing me as a, We'll see. Yes. Period. Yeah. So um, thank you for that. Now tell me what Blue Blood and what was the other oh. one? <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're just TV shows, you know, they both film in New York and they're on like I think Blue Bloods is on like its thirteenth season or something oh, like okay. that. And Blacklist is up there too. So Okay, I have heard yeah. of Blacklist.
0: I I didn't realize those were you were referring to actual shows. I thought that was some other acting like <laughs> other community <laughs> terminology. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, they're just long running TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Law and Order is doing great work and NCIS, those franchises are really casting authentically now. Like if a role is written with a disability, they will cast someone with a disability, which is really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: So how it sounds to me like you're, you know, what you felt when you were six, that aliveness that like, this is me, like I am here to create and, and, you know, and entertain. And um, it sounds like that still continues to be source of your aliveness. Has it shifted or expanded or changed in any way as you've grown older?
1: Ah, yes, it has. I mean, that's still like the light bulb, you know, that wanting to connect and entertain people that will always be the, the light bulb, the passion. Um, but I have shifted to exactly how mm. do I want to entertain people? Um, you know, when I was younger, it was like golden age musicals, like Marion and the music, man. Like I uh-huh. want people to hear my voice soar and be swept away in these gorgeous songs. And now I have a little more of a, um, I guess, uh, not political lean, but a more, um, activist sort of role in the Mm -hmm. stories that I tell. Um, so I really like to do shows where you can see my prosthetic leg just so we get that representation out there. Like, Oh, I'm a juror, but I happen to have a prosthetic leg, but it's not really part of the story. It's just there. Um, and I like to do other shows where, you know, um, I have a, a specific type of leg that's a big part of the story. Um, So I think it's important to be able to do all of those roles. And um, when I'm not getting cast in roles like that, I I write my own stuff and, you know, short films I can do for, you know, 200 bucks in my backyard. (laughs) So I like to just um, keep, keep spreading awareness of disability inclusion and disability pride. Um, and I've started branching out into documentaries too. Yeah. I did a documentary um, where I just, I interviewed four of my friends on Zoom about their experience with healthcare in America and health insurance specifically and getting their prosthetic legs covered and prosthetic arms and wheelchairs and how that process works. and why it's so hard. (laughs) Um, and that documentary it's about six minutes long, but it went on to screen at like over 50 festivals, (gasps) slam dance in Joshua tree. And, um, it's viewed over a hundred thousand views. Um, and it's just spreading awareness of like when you need a prosthetic leg, you can't always get a prosthetic leg Mm. covered through insurance. It might cost you $10,000 in America. That is shocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And my friend Andrea, who's in the film, she is a nurse and she happens to use a wheelchair. She hasn't been able to get a wheelchair covered through insurance for over seven years, you know? Oh, um, yeah. So it's, I, I think it's a very eye opening documentary. And then we compare our stories with my friend Denise, who lives in Norway. And she gets all her prosthetic legs for free. And she even gets a running leg, which is considered Whoa. a luxury here. So oh. yeah. 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 So I mean, that's like I didn't like, realize
0: I never thought about huh. that, but that would be two different kinds of leg.
1: Also, mm-hmm. two
0: mm-hmm. different needs.
1: Yeah. Well, to really run, um, most people would need a blade leg, but you don't want that for your regular walking leg. That'll mm-hmm. throw off your hip alignment. So okay. it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunately one, one foot does not fit all <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to swim with a prosthetic leg on, you might need a specific type of foot. Um, okay. if you want to dance, uh, if you want heels, um, that requires different things in the feet. So yeah, oh, it's, wow. it's just spreading that awareness of, you know, um, it's, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity really. Um, I even made a TikTok video and someone commented and was like, um, you don't like need these things. You just need one foot and you're fine. Cause it was about how I was so excited. I could switch feet and, you know, people just don't think they don't understand. They don't know. Like, if you lost a leg and all you could do was walk and you couldn't run or swim or dance or wear heels or change shoes. It's not even about heels. It's about just being able to change your shoe, you know? Yeah. Um, wouldn't you want an extra foot to do right. those things? So, right. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, shoot. I had a thought that I wanted to come back to. I'll cut this little moment out, but yeah. Oh, shoot, I think it was about stories, but there may have been another thought that I had. This is so good. This is one of my favorite
1: conversations I've had. Um, oh, good, thank you. Um, I mean, this is so lovely. Thank you for having me. Man, I just I just love it.
0: So one thing that I've been in conversation with uh, people about lately is the idea of storytelling um i've been doing some workshops with uh, here comes baton rouge again Um, friend of mine named johanna middleton from la she's um an actor and writer and storyteller so she's now studying storytelling down in baton rouge um next level education and we've been talking about um you know there there's a trend the last 10 years or so um an encouragement towards telling your story tell your story your story matters tell your story Um, and recently i do agree with that i think it's important to practice that vulnerability and learn from each other but it's stories in my mind now because we are made we are not one you know each of us i don't have one story like my divorce is not my one story right Mm -hmm. um and I have many stories. You have many, many stories to tell, not only that, like those big pivotal moments can be also told in many ways. And depending on the day, I will tell that story differently. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. We did a practice in um, a workshop that I was a, an attendee of last year, where they had us pinpoint several key moments in our lives and then go into breakout rooms. And we would tell that story in the saddest way possible like and then this happened and then of course i couldn't do that and then that so that never happened and they ignored me and that and then you would tell the same story but you had to tell it like in the eternal optimist cheerleader kind of oh my gosh it was the best thing that ever happened because then i learned this and then i learned this and i would never have done this if i and then you you try it several different ways and the point is we have some agency in how we mm-hmm. choose and we can evolve in how, and I hear that in you, um, a choice to put the emphasis on certain parts of the story. Now, how, have you seen that shift over the last few years? Has it been a conscious, you know, can you remember in, this, in the moment of um, losing your leg in that, in 2012, did, were you telling a different story? And did you have to
1: choose? Oh, gosh, that's such a cool way of looking at my journey. I really love that question. Um, I think for me, I've always leaned more towards positivity and comedy. Mm -hmm. So I've never wanted to tell my leg story as this big, awful, dramatic thing where I start crying nonstop. Um, I've always looked at it as glass half full, um, trying to find the funny in the most horrendous traumatic moments, you know, um, And I think that's what I started initially with in disability dates in 2014. It was like finding the funny in these really awful moments of Mm -hmm. dating with a disability. (laughs) And then, you know, um, a few years ago, I, I was in, you know, a really good place. And I started thinking of how hard the journey has been. And I started writing a drama, um, called hope for the holidays about a woman who loses her leg and she also happens to lose her husband in a car accident which luckily did not happen to me but i was really um pulling from my own emotional depths of despair and grief for that story mm. um and luckily i you know i i think it came to me because i was in such a good happy place in my life so i could go to those mm. depths and think about them and um and then come back to my happy place (laughs) um but I I think that uh I always lean more towards the comedy of things um like I've been working on a a tv pilot called lame and it's about a group of friends with disabilities who are very lame physically and mentally I guess (laughs) man that's a brilliant um, title. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um and it's just been like such a joy to write because they, you know, are are just like Sex in the City. You know, they are finding their way, they're finding their dream careers, they're finding their future partners and girlfriends and boyfriends and lovers and all of that. Um but they all happen to have some sort of physical disability. And you know, at one point, like one of the characters actually goes on like a drunken rant about how expensive her health insurance is after she catches her fiance cheating and it just (sighs) rambles and rambles and it goes and goes. And she's like comparing the deductible to a pile of French fries. And I always think that it's so much more fun to lean towards the, the comedy aspect of tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so special, especially when it comes to disability, which is already so feared and stigmatized and dramatic to just, like, be okay to laugh at it. Like, laugh at the situation where the girl with one leg is drunk in the street eating McDonald's and questioning, like, the health insurance um, structure in America, you know? Yes, yes. Um, So I definitely... Like I've, I've done the drama route, which I love, but comedy is really more where my heart lands when I, when it comes to writing and stories. And I mean, I, I just worked on a monologue where I was telling the story of how I lost my leg, but trying to make it funny (laughs) and trying to be like, you know, so I'm laying on the grass. I've just been hit by a car and I'm looking at my leg which is now six feet away from me. And I'm thinking, I really love those Payless boots. Oh like God. those were my boots. <laughs> you know, so it's like finding the just ridiculous, like right. moments that are so tragically awful that you just want to laugh through them. Yeah.
0: And, and it's really a powerful tool that we have in our tool belt. Some, you know, are
1: mm-hmm. more
0: skillful with it than others as you are. Um, but I think, you know, lately the, these we're all so weary from pandemic and quarantine and uh, all this back and forth what protocol. And I just have loved the memes about the CDC recommends. CDC oh. now- <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. they're, they're just so funny. And it's an example of taking like, actually, you know, the, this, this really hard thing and let's play with it. But I yes. also think it's worth noting that you So many people assume that when when something hard happens, you start your first interactions are going to be the really tragic, uh, self-pitying or angry story. And then you'll learn how to move towards the lighthearted and the funny. And that's not always the case. Some people are wired to first start the the coping mechanism is more Mm -hmm. to be lighthearted. And then when you're in a strong, more stable place, then, then you can go into the drama. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you were able, you know, found yourself doing. And, and I think that's so important to be self-aware and go, uh, I'm not in a place right now to write sad songs about what happened. I, I need mm-hmm. to like write a silly song or write no songs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> let yourself be yes. where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was just my journey with grief. Really. You know, right. I, I, even in inspiration horror when I was writing that, I wrote the happy song first. That was like, this is what I'm thankful for and this is awesome. <laughs> and then I moved on to, you know, when the lights go out and I'm lost in my own thoughts and everything sucks. Right. So right. yeah. Yeah. It just um everyone's different and it really is like losing a leg, becoming disabled. You're allowed to grieve for your old life, your old body. And it's a process. And, um, you know, they talk about like the steps in in grief and I think everyone handles them differently and you just have to do what's right for you and what feels right for you and what's going to get you through this day, through this moment, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you most excited about at this present moment? Ooh. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I'm working on a TV show right now that I'm very excited about. Um I love this character. She's very fun and I hope they expand her more so I can play play around more. Um Is it already out or is it just is, is it It's something we not, can watch no. Not yet. It's a new TV show. Um mm-hmm. gosh, I don't even know if I can say more than that at this yeah, point. Yeah, don't, um, don't. Yeah. I want to put anything at <laughs> risk here, but you definitely just, need to let us um, know later. <laughs> I will. I just put out a TikTok video. Actually, that's like me getting fit for a specific prosthetic leg for this role. So you can check that out. Um, So I'm really excited for that. Um, I also might be doing a movie uh, in Mm -hmm. March if the dates align, which would be really cool. Um, And I'm still writing and, you know, trying to get lame made. (laughs) I want that one to be made. Just get by your description I'm like
0: I would love to watch that.
1: I would love oh, to. Watch. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um HBO, Call Me, NBC. Hi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just trying to keep busy and keep the passion going and stay focused and hang out with my dog more. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Well, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna um, close with my favorite question to ask people. Um, mm-hmm. It's become sort of my trademark question: Is what do you love about being you?
1: Oh my goodness! I should have known this was coming. Um, <laughs> what do I love about being me? Gosh i I love my resilience and i love that i don't let the resilience change my positivity or my kindness um i think that as a disabled person uh i've i've learned how to stand up for myself more and be resilient to doctors not believing my pain or, you know, um, people making rude comments. And I haven't let that take away the, um, joy of life and the kindness that I feel towards humanity. (laughs) um and when I you know do feel like okay this sucks I go and hug my dog and I see all the goodness in the world again Mm -hmm. so um yeah I oftentimes I get asked to like audition for like angry suicidal military roles and it's really hard for me because that is just not who I am naturally internally um and I'm very grateful for that um, but I'm also grateful to have the resilience and strength of someone who's been through war and has mm. seen a lot um and is ready to take on the world. <laughs> yes. And yeah. doesn't don't we need more people
0: like that in the world <laughs> right <Ooh>. now? <laughs> I'm so grateful. And I love that you just said as a person who's been through a, a war, because it's mm. such a perfect, you know flip to what we were saying earlier that people assume you've been through a physical, you know? Yeah. Well, you've been through a physical war, a war of
1: another kind. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't ever like compare my experience to someone who's actually been in war and seen that I haven't seen that, but I've had my own internal war and struggles. And I think we all have, um, And it's something that, you know, we should not take lightly. And we should embrace that, um, those experiences that are really hard and grow from them when we're ready, you know, it all goes back to the grieving process. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Thank you so Mm -hmm. much, Rachel. I love who you are and what you're doing in the world. And I just am still giddy over the synchronicity that we you know, cross paths and we did and that we're finally, finally getting to have an actual face to face conversation. And to our listeners, thank you for showing up and for being curious about the different ways people find vitality and healing in the world. If you enjoyed this episode, follow, subscribe, share and leave a positive review. It would mean a lot to me and also help more people find these conversations. And I'll meet you back here soon for another episode of Ways of Life.